In this podcast, we are going to learn what is a digital twin, how to create it, what tools can be used, how a digital twin interfaces with external systems, and what roles do technologies like AI and blockchain play in digital twins. My guest to explain all of this to you is Peter van Schalkek, who is the CEO of XM Pro, a low-code application development platform that enables subject matter experts to build and deploy real-time applications in weeks. He currently serves as the co-chair of the Natural Resources Working Group for the Digital Twin Consortium, and previously he co-chaired the Digital Twin Interoperability, Industrial Digital Transformation, and the Distributed Ledger Task Groups in the Industrial Internet Consortium. He holds a Bachelor's in Mechanical Engineering and a Master's in Information Technology. In 2019, Peter received the Industrial Internet Consortium Technical Innovation Award. Our discussion is based on his ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Digital Twins, which I will link down in the description below. Welcome to the fourth generation podcast here on Industry 40.tv, which is a series of interviews designed to help you learn industrial IoT from some of the world's leading practitioners. So make sure to subscribe to never miss any of the interviews. Now, here's my conversation with Peter. Okay, uh, welcome uh, to the show, Peter, and uh, thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure, thank you. So uh, I think we'll just uh, jump right into it. Uh, So uh, to begin, uh, perhaps you could uh, briefly uh, explain to us uh, what is a a digital twin and uh, what problems does it seek to solve? That's a, that's a great question. It's the first question I always get, what is a digital twin? Um, and I think in its simplest form, it is a virtual representation of an entity. You know, that's a very simple one. But I think if you expand it a little bit further, it's really a synchronized instance um, of a digital model or a, or, or, or a, a template um, that represents an entity throughout its life cycle. And it's sufficient to to meet the requirements of a very specific uh, use case that the digital twin is meant to address okay i also think you know from a from the problems that it is meant to solve the original intent by dr michael greaves who's kind of um the father of the digital twin was really um that you could create a, a information construct for a physical asset so the, the, the intent from their side, uh, um, specifically working with NASA, was that uh, it could provide the same or better information um, that you would get than having the physical thing with you. So it was all around systems that are getting more complex and how can we reduce the complexity by creating a digital version of it. And and what we see right now, kind of the main uses or main objectives um, and uh, problems that it addresses is really around how can I get more situational awareness um, around what's going on? So uh, how can I get better insights into how a physical thing would um, uh, behave? And how can I make better uh, decisions based on that uh, model that I have and that represents the real physical entity and its operating conditions? Oh, okay. Uh, you, you mentioned something to the effect that uh, a digital twin uh, is an instance of uh, a digital model. Uh, could you please uh, elaborate on uh, the digital model uh, uh, concept and also on the aspect of instantiation? 
I think those are two very key aspects of um, having a digital twin. Um, so you, you obviously have to have the physical thing, but then you also have to have a model that would describe that basically the information model or prototype or template or the way that, uh, that, that would describe the, the, the physical thing. Um, and then I would have instances of that. So the best way is to describe it by an example. If I have, a, so for example, for a Tesla Model 3, um, there is a type or a, pro, a, a, a template that describes what the Model 3, um, all the components that it's got. And then I have, so and there's only one of that that describes this is a Model 3. I may have a million instances, which is unique to every single car that is built, the real-time data that's getting from telemetry, um, information um, that, that around the color, the, it is unique per, per vehicle. So there's a unique instance or unique uh, instance identifier, but it relates back to a model that says, this is how I store the information and this is how I interact with that information based on my template for that. So that is the model and the multiple instances on that. For some, uh, types of equipment like a building, you will have a model, but you'll only have one instance. Um, so there's, it doesn't always have to be uh, multiples, but in most instances it, are, it, it is. Oh, okay. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense now. Uh, so in your, in your ebook, you, you sort of uh, mentioned the different uh, categories and types of digital twins that uh, uh, available. Uh, could you uh, perhaps uh, describe to us what are the different types of uh, digital twins and the different categories of uh, digital twins? So we kind of see my three main use cases of digital twins. The one is, uh, or types, if you want to call them that. The one is around just status monitoring. We call it a status twin. So it's a, it's a single direction. I'm just getting real-time data that represents this is what's happening to my twin. So I can get the status of, of, of um, an operating plant, a machine, a building, or anything that I want to rep, even a supply chain. Um, I don't interact with it. I don't um, uh, uh, create any actions coming out of it, which is kind of the second type, which is what we call an operational twin. This is when the twin also has some intelligence where it can now interact. It can create actions in other systems. It can create work orders. It can update um, uh, supply chain information and basically interact. That is what we would refer to as an operational twin. So it becomes part of the, the uh, operations um, of a business. And then um, Another key use is when you have a, when you have a, or use a twin for simulation. So I can get some real-time data, pass it to a model. It would run a number of simulations, and based on the output of the simulation, I would then take a decision on what I want to do um, from from a decision point of view. Um, and, and again, that is the simulation twin. So status twin, operations twin, and simulation to another three main patterns that we see of digital twin types. Okay. Also, those would be uh, the categories or the, uh, the types of, 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 of digital twins. Yes. Okay. All right. Um, one thing that I'm really curious to find out is uh, on, the, on the, the actual nature of the digital twin itself. That is to say, uh, what is the actual makeup of a digital twin? 
Is it a, 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 a file or is it uh, some database entities? What is it that makes up a, 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 a digital twin? And also to follow up on that question, what sort of uh, infrastructure is required for you to have uh, for, to facilitate the existence of a, a digital twin? Um, it's a, again, that's a great question. Um, the, the, the nature of, of a twin and, and, and how you constitute it really is dependent on the use case or the application that you're trying to I sometimes refer to, you know, what is the job that you're hiring the twin to do? That would determine the nature. Now, um, it is certainly not a, a mega uh, single database file that contains everything. There, there are different ways that, that, uh, that different um, companies and organizations implement this. So sometimes, and if you look at the standards and, 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 um, information models that are emerging. So if you take something like asset administration shell or DTDL, so some of them might be XML based files or JSON based structures. Um, we still see the predominant uh, uh, mechanism of storing this is through a, a, um, a number of different relational databases. Um, one of the, in terms of the evolution that we're seeing around that is graph databases so that twins are starting so we can understand relationships um, on that so that the data itself or the relationships are stored in a graph but the underlying data coming from telemetry or some of the master data or the equipment data the maintenance records all of that tend to be in the systems of transaction but the twin would know from a from a graph perspective where the different where the different systems is where the sources are, and again those sources right now vary anywhere from file based to um, to um, uh, relational databases to, um, for example, uh, on Azure Digital Twin, which is a cloud based construct um, which is designed specifically to to store a database. Uh, uh, sorry, the uh, a digital twin and its its uh, its um, relating data. Okay. Also, like uh, if you are to to store your digital twin on on a platform like Azure, you, you what you are saying is that you'd have some uh, special kind of storage to handle that. So, and then when when you decide to say you want to have that uh, digital twin on prem, uh, what what kind of infrastructure would you would you need? Is it some kind of special? Uh, 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 tool chain that you need to have for you to have a digital twin reside on 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 prem. So, and again, uh, um, it really depends on the volume of data, the type of data that you want to store, the frequency at what you want to do it, the fidelity of the digital twin, uh, in terms of how you want to see the information again, how you want to be able to extract it. So. Um, for some very simple use cases, like some of the status twins, you can do it on something as small as a Raspberry Pi and store the data in file-based structure, um, where uh, on some of the larger on-premise, uh, you may um, go to a localized server environment. Um, and again, storing the data on either relational uh, databases or also non-relational, um, uh, non-SQL style um, data repositories is something that we, that we also see from our on-prem. Um, there is a move to do some of the digital twin processing at the edge, 
uh, and we're seeing a lot of growth in 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 that area. Um, but and that is one of the areas that we see quite a, lo a, a lot of research and opportunity to evolve uh, digital twins itself. Okay, interesting. Um, I guess my next question is um, what uh, tools or, or frameworks are available uh, for creating uh, a digital twin and um, what are the factors, the key factors that one should consider when they are embarking on that process of uh, creating a, a digital twin? So I think in terms of tools and frameworks, uh, a digital twin is still a software-based product. So in terms of tools and frameworks, they tend to be based on, on tools and frameworks that we use in software development practices and, soft, uh, and software engineering. Uh, it is how that is a, um, applied to, to, to uh, kind of model how physical assets are being done, we're seeing. And also there's a difference between the asset life cycle, the physical twin life cycle, and the digital twin life cycle, which is more of a software engineering life cycle in terms of how we do that. So in very many, in very complex systems, we see, um, or very complex physical systems, we see things like the V model from a software development approach in terms of how that evolves with the with complexity of the hardware. In other instances, we see more of an agile or a lean approach. We, we actually prefer kind of a lean startup approach from a, from a framework perspective, uh, which is more around how we can experiment, how can we build a minimum viable twin to start out with, uh, test some of our assumptions. But not everyone has got that capability where if you have a high maturity, high complexity environment, for example, in, um, in aerospace or defense, uh, you would follow a more structured approach um, from a software engineering uh, perspective. With digital twins, um, we've not seen new frameworks uh, from a software engineering uh, um, point of view emerge, but we're seeing how they are being applied um, to this specific um, problem. In terms of, of um, factors to consider, when starting on this journey, I think, as I mentioned, the most important one, what we've seen is really understand the maturity of um, the team and the products that you are trying to, to create. So if you've got a very experienced development team um, and you've got all the requirements well-defined, uh, you may follow more of a structured approach. Um, but with, if, you if you're using your engineers in your business, to basically experiment um, a more of an agile, kind of a lean, uh, building a minimum viable twin to start out and kind of building from the bottom up is a better approach, um, a much lower risk than trying the, the big bets, rather go for the easy wins uh, approach. Oh, okay. Uh, can you perhaps um, highlight like uh, a series of steps that uh, one would take uh, towards creating a, a digital twin. Yeah, um, I uh, I always say you start with a problem. Um, you know, so we've seen so many times where uh, projects like this start with we have this data. What can, what twin can we build with it? Um, we have seen very few of those succeed. So really, the best advice in terms of steps is make sure that you have a problem that is worth solving that it's got a high business impact and that it's technically feasible to actually do it. So kind of start with a problem and then look at what analytic or rules would you, 
employ in the digital twin to, to solve that? So would you be using some physics-based models or would you use AI or machine learning or something like that? So once I know what the problem is, what analytic would I apply? And once I know what, what kind of the rules are or um, the, the analytics that I want to apply, I can then look at what data do I need to drive that rule or analytic. Um, and as soon as I know that, I can then go and look, where can I get that information? Um, so where, do, where are the data sources, IoT platforms, sensors, um, web services, all of those fancy things that we can use to bring real-time and static data into the twin. And once we have that, we can now start composing from the bottom up. Now we can start building it up back towards the problem, starting with here's the data, um, here's the analytic, and, um, and uh, applying that to to the problem itself. So that is really the, the kind of step-by-step -step approach that we, that, that we find has got the highest uh, likelihood of success uh, when you start out. Oh, okay, no, that's uh, interesting. Uh, now, well, it goes without saying that um, a digital twin is, is likely not to exist in, uh, in isolation. I mean, particularly in this day and age where we've got like different systems that are being built around uh, the industrial IT ecosystem. So my question is, how would an external system uh, consume information uh, from a, a digital uh, twin? Uh, is there any, uh, some kind of uh, uh, interface standards or some APIs that uh, are available uh, for anyone to do that or anything that is currently in development? So right now, um, there are no APIs for digital twins per se. Um, so there's no standardized APIs, but if you look at a, at a typical digital twin project right now, anywhere from 50 to 80% of project time goes into integration is how do we connect this, the, 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 the different data sources, both on the, where we get data from and where we kind of pushing, you know, the actions that come out of the, the, the digital twin. So a large, um, portion of that. A lot of it at the moment is point-to-point -point integration using APIs, calling a, a service. Um, there are tools that, um, like XM Pro, that is kind of a low-code approach to handling the integration that are more integration-centric or, you know, just doing it inside uh, development environments um, like Visual Studio or Eclipse or, or, or um, one of those um, developer environments. In terms of standards that are emerging, there is work being done um, around interoperability. Because one of the biggest challenges that you face with this is interoperability, things that don't really talk nicely to each other. So um, Industry 4.0 through the Asset Administration Shell is one formalized way of one formalized initiatives that, initiative that's looking at how to address this. Um, and currently there's a set of standards being, being produced. Um, part one of three different standards have, uh, was published towards the end of last year. Unfortunately, that just describes what the asset administration shell structure looks like um, or the digital twin structure. In terms of the APIs and how they communicate, um, that is likely to come out um, somewhere in 2021. That will start addressing. There are other initiatives like... Um, the OSDU, which is the Open Subsurface Data Universe, um, that's predominantly in oil and gas. We, we're building 
um, subsurface uh, digital twins, kind of um, what's what's below the ground, because again, I can't really go and see, so I need to build a model, and I understand that. Um, there, uh, there's been standardization efforts around APIs and and and, and how to um, standardize the data ingestion, and again, um, bringing that information out in a standardized way. But most other projects are really just point-to-point -point integrations using um, uh, microservices, using uh, APIs, but uh, not through a single interface into, into the digital twin. Um, that's only starting to emerge now. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I'm, I'm really of the, of the sentiment that if uh, without that uh, kind of 100% uh, interoperability whereby these industrial IIT components are able to exchange uh, information effortlessly, uh, it will be hard really to realize uh, industry 4.0. So I really believe that's something that is uh, uh, key to uh, whatever is uh, a development that is currently going on with the uh, digital twins. Uh, so now you, you mentioned something that is very interesting also in your ebook, um, the concept of a digital thread. So now uh, perhaps to kind of clarify that for uh, our viewers and listeners, uh, could you perhaps uh, compare and contrast between uh, a digital twin and a digital thread? Yes. Um, again, it's a question that we get a lot because there's a lot of confusion around these digital um, subjects or digital concepts. Um, and a digital thread uh, is, is typically the, the, uh, the unique birth record of a for um, with the actual data for either a entity or a product and all its components um, it, it kind of captures all the interactions from when it was started how the design um, right through to how it was manufactured the conditions where it was stored um, and how it was maintained and and how it was disposed so across the life cycle of a other component or a uh, a machine or, or uh, even something as complex as, a, a, as an aircraft, um, we would have the, the, the birth to disposal record ac across everything. Um, it, from a digital twin perspective, the focus, so that is a horizontal kind of life cycle view. From a digital twin perspective, our focus is, act we actually use some of the digital thread information in creating a digital twin, which is more, if you can just picture it, more horizontal um, at a specific point in a life cycle, I will, may want to predict the likelihood of a machine failing. So I'll use some information in terms of real-time data, um, operational data from a, uh, um, from a production line, some weather data, some of that, and, and also the maintenance records, which could come from the, the digital uh, thread itself. So uh, the the digital thread can exist without a digital twin, um, but more than often the digital twin will consume information in the digital thread. The best example that was given to me was actually from an engineer at Boeing, who said to me, "The the the when we decide on a fleet of aircraft to which aircraft to maintain, we go to the digital twin. It is hired. It is done around a specific use case to look at." maintenance optimization of which aircraft should go in next from a from a from a maintenance point of view when i look at the digital thread and i have a problem with one of the the components um, i can see exactly 
what the design was of that component, which other aircraft it's gone into, and I can see the whole birth to death record of a specific component. So if I need to go and find every other plane that has got that same faulty piece of equipment, I use the digital thread. If I know which one, if I want to know which uh, airplane to maintain, I go to the digital twin. Oh, yeah, that's very interesting. So it, it, it seems uh, to me that um, the, the digital twin is really centered around, I mean, even as you rightly pointed out earlier, that uh, it's centered around advanced analytics uh, uh, like AI and uh, machine learning. Could you uh, perhaps uh, describe the, the relationship between AI, uh, machine learning, and uh, the digital team? How does it uh, look? Um, yes, so again, it goes to the job that you're hiring this digital twin to do. If it was a person in your business, what would that digital twin do? So in some instance, it would just be to observe, which is kind of what we said earlier with a status twin. It would just give me some, some very basic information. But... Uh, we see more and more that we want to make these twins smarter. So how do we do that? We put in um, AI and machine learning capability into the twin to help us with decision support at this stage. So um, we would, we would um, take some of the real-time data and the job of the twin is actually to predict when something is likely to fail. So it would use a machine learning regression model or anomaly detection. And that is the intelligence that's being built into twins. And again, you could do that um, in using programming tools, or you could use a low-code environment where you basically drop the machine learning into the into the twin and say, at this point, take all this data and come up with a prediction of of how how many hours I still have before this thing is likely to fail, and and that's how we see the twins getting smarter, and how machine learning is adding uh, to this. Awesome. Okay, so um, another interesting combination uh, is that of uh, digital twin and uh, blockchain uh, technologies. Uh, could you perhaps um, explain the merging of, of these uh, two technologies? How does, how does it work? So we see two scenarios for blockchain with digital twin, and I'm sure more will emerge, but kind of the two major ones at the moment is if I want to make sure that my information around my twin is immutable, meaning it cannot be changed. So from a compliance point of view or regulatory point of view, I need to show, you know, the decisions made by this twin and I maybe need to go and prove it later on. Uh, so instead of storing it into a conventional database, the, 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 as we discussed earlier, um, one of the ways to store the digital twin and its information is actually in the blockchain. Um, and also validating where the data sources come from is another use for blockchain. Uh, uh, the, the other major um, uh, area for blockchains and digital twins is when we want that digital twin to interact. One of the big use cases out of, block, out of distributed ledger technology is around smart contracts. So if we want that digital twin to interact on our behalf uh, when it receives certain information, when certain conditions are true, um, when certain things have happened, certain events have happened, we wanted to execute a smart contract, we can put that into the digital twin as well. In actual fact, we can combine machine learning so it can predict that something will happen and then based on that, 
initiate a payment in a smart contract for someone to go and deliver some services all built into the digital twin um, using blockchain and, 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 and other emerging uh, technologies like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Now uh, uh, to sort of like uh, close off the session, I want to uh, shift the focus uh, to um, XM Pro, which is a, a company that you are CEO of, and also I want to touch a bit on the Digital Twin Consortium, uh, in which you are a member of. Uh, now, first of all, could you please tell us uh, a bit about your uh, company's involvement uh, in the Digital Twin ecosystem? Yeah, so our focus is really, so XM Pro is an engineering-focused, um, low-code digital twin application development platform. Um, and it's really aimed at engineers and people like that to be able to build their own digital twins, the three types that we mentioned. And, and it's really focused around addressing um, how we would respond to real-time events. So our focus is pretty much um, real-time digital twins that interact and mostly in asset intensive uh, industries like oil and gas, mining, energy and utilities and manufacturing kind of key focus areas. And again, it is, it is aimed at uh, engineers to be able to construct their own digital twins. So that's been a kind of our involvement. And our objective is really to make sure that people can build these to, to safely increase revenue in their business and reduce um, cost. We've been around this for quite a long time, um, working in, in uh, Fortune 10 companies, um, helping them with uh, digital twins. And... Um, also being involved with organizations like Industrial Internet Consortium, uh, the OSDU or Open Subsurface Data Universe, as I mentioned, and lately the Digital Twin Consortium as well. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So I uh, actually um, uh, meant to ask you if you had any kind of partnerships uh, that you have going on. So I guess part of that answers that question about you partnering with the uh, Industrial Internet Consortium, is it a partnership or what kind of relationship do you have and what sort of partners do you have? Uh, yeah, so, so um, the Industrial Internet Consortium, um, I was the chair for the uh, Digital Twin Interoperability Task Group and in the newly formed Digital Twin Consortium, uh, which is one of the fastest growing consortiums uh, at the moment, I lead the uh, Natural Resources Working Group, where, where we're looking at mining, oil and gas, energy and utilities. Um, and kind of our focus areas there, again, is the interoperability problem. What are the typical um, use cases? So those are more member-driven organizations uh, where we're involved and we kind of volunteer our time and uh, work with some of the br brightest minds in, in in the world on these problems. In terms of our other partnerships, uh, it's predominantly around um, uh, services partners who with uh, strong domain expertise uh, that and uh, uh, strategic consulting expertise that can assist customers with deciding, you know, what digital twins do I need? What would the impact be? And how do we go about putting them in? Uh, and with some of the um, engineering IP, those are some of the pro uh, uh, um, partners that we have. The others are technology providers like Microsoft and others where we, where we leverage um, underlying technology like Azure or uh, Amazon AWS or, or some of those services. Oh, okay, interesting. Okay, so now to, to, to close this off, I've got a series of questions. Uh, first of all, uh, 
what is uh, the digital twin consortium? Uh, number two, what are the what are the primary reasons for the existence of the of the consortium? And uh, if you can outline uh, the the efforts that are currently underway to uh, to effect the whatever change you seek to make. Okay, yeah, Digital Twin Consortium is um, a a member driven organization under the OMG, the Object Management Group. Uh, they manage that. They are a standards body. Uh, the Digital Twin Consortium is not a standards body, but we are working to influence standards bodies on what the standards um, should be. So the primary reason for existence is a number of vendors and end users got together and said, we really need to make sure that we can drive interoperability, that people really understand what a digital twin is because there are 50 different definitions depending on which vendor's website you go to. So you know, being the authority in terms of digital twins, the one place that you can go to to understand you know, what is a twin, why should I care and how do I get started are kind of primary reasons why it exists. And some of the initiatives underway um, at the moment, is, and it, it's um, also constructed around different industries and we're looking at the at how the different industries are, are either the same or different. So infrastructure, aerospace and defense, manufacturing and natural resources are the initial four uh, main working group or, uh, or working areas. And they're adding new ones um, as we speak. And our focus is looking at what are the use cases, applications and value um, of digital twins in each of those. How are they similar? How do they differ? And can we come up with a reference architecture um, based on specific conditions or operating environments? And how would you use certain components in a technology stack to put together a typical digital twin? So that's kind of some of the efforts that are um, ongoing over and above um, standardizing the definition of a digital twin. Awesome stuff. Oh, Peter, thank you uh, so much for joining us today on the show. I uh, really wish you all the best in your endeavors, uh, both as um, XM Pro and also under the Digital Twin uh, Consortium. Thank you very much for having me on your show.